I, I wish you would have said what I thought you wanted to say is what? <laughs> please come back down, shut the fuck up, and listen and be present. <laughs> That's, oh, yes, that's, a, that's what that's a nice, that's yes, a nice way. Yes. <laughs> so, but honestly, I appreciate that. That was awesome. That was awesome. Welcome, fam. This is Courtney Russell Jr. And I'm here with my co-host, Emily Brocker. Welcome to Humanize. We are two Americans with totally different backgrounds and life experiences. We're coming together on this podcast to dive right at the heart of the three things that shut down tough conversations about race, culture, power, and ego. The stories you are about to hear are meant to humanize those deeply involved in social justice. Welcome to the work, y'all. Let's get it. All right. Welcome back, everyone. We are doing what we're going to call in season two, our debrief episode. So after we have guests coming in, um, we're going to take another episode just to respond because there's so much amazing information and content that comes out of our interview. So after we have a guest in, uh, Courtney and I are going to take the following week to have a debrief episode. So today we're going to be debriefing our call with Crystal Jones, yes, sister, yes, um, where we talked about this idea of individual liberation and particularly focused in on the shoulds and what it means to, you know, deal with the the shoulds that come from society versus aligning with your values. But before we jump into that, Courtney, how are you doing today? How's your week going? Oh, man, it's good. It's rough. It's, it's pushing me, you know, pushing thought. A lot of great things are happening, especially in the world you know, in politics and government and culture and society and um, just everything that I'm passionate about. And so I'm excited that I'm actually living and doing what I'm doing, but it is a lot of work and it's, uh, it's taking up a lot of mental real estate, but I, I love it. I love the process. I love the struggle. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Awesome. So I wanted to, um, you know, before we started this episode, we were just kind of chatting about what was going on for us and, I brought up this um, this situation, so this unfortunate situation that happened last week. I think it was on Saturday night. Hold on, hold on, where, hold on, hold on, hold on. You always what? ask me how I'm doing. How the hell are oh. you doing? <laughs> don't try to run from the from the pain. No, I'm just bullshit. I don't even know if you're in pain, but just how are you doing? Tell tell the people what you want. The people in the back need to know. <laughs> How am I doing? I mean, making it through, making it through. I mean, the main thing that's going on for me with this whole little pandemic situation with two little kids, yeah. I've spent so much of my life traveling and like, that's how I feel alive. If, if I'm like out and having adventures and seeing new things and to be like trapped in the house for a year, <laughs> I just, I, I don't feel like I'm living. Like I yeah. feel the trappedness is definitely getting to me and causing me to like feel a little it's not stir crazy it's like way more it's way deeper than that yeah. like on an identity level of like something you know it's like the constant voice something's wrong something's wrong something's wrong and then you realize you can't do anything about it um so you know yeah okay. well, <laughs> as they say it could be worse oh <laughs> it could be worse yes yes <laughs> Thank you. Now, yeah. commence with the business at hand, please. Commence with the business at hand. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Okay. Yeah, this is what I wanted to recount before we dive into debriefing. The uh, 
conversation because it's like burning a hole in my brain. So yeah, it was Saturday night and I had just heard some information that was related to white supremacy. And I was just kind of like sitting with it. And I I was like, we got to do an episode on this. So I, I go into our like little shared notes on episodes and I'm so fired up that I erase all of the notes (laughs) in one fell swoop. But what I wanted to do is add a note about this idea of woke and this, this, I don't even know where that emerged from. So I, I, I apologize if, if the roots are pure, but the way that I hear white people throwing a, around this idea of woke is starting to really disturb me because well in it, it's, it's centering whiteness, right. Of like, this is how I am evolving and becoming like a high version of myself. And there's like a white exceptionalism to it. Like inherently it's like, this is about me becoming a better white person. And now I get to look down on the people who aren't woke because they're, you know, the masses that haven't woken up yet. So not only is there like a white centeredness and white exceptionalism to it, it's, it's glorifying the white person's process in social justice work. And it kind of, yeah, it just kind of pisses me off. It's like, you know, the the terms that are coming up to help support people talking about, you know, what's going on for them is just centering whiteness again. And so what I want to propose is another term. <laughs> Instead of saying that you, you're becoming woke or something, I don't even know how people use that phrase, is you're becoming more human. Because I think that white people, and myself included in this, in the ways that we've been conditioned to have like white supremacy thinking and a white supremacy lens on the world, it's dehumanizing to white people in a really different way than what we're talking about in terms of people of color and black people being dehumanized and in a much much less violent and overt way. But if I am conditioned not to treat every person the same and to not have empathy for every person in a similar way, I think that's dehumanizing. I think that that's cutting off people from their core capacities as a human, Yes, cutting off white people from their core capacities as human. And so I, that's what I'm going to propose. Instead of woke, it's just becoming more human. Like, coming back from injury instead of becoming enlightened. And that's what's on my mind. I love what you said, because whether you are dehumanizing someone to take away their humanity or someone is being dehumanized to elevate themselves above humans, it's still a dehumanizing process. And and in the the process of being woke, as far as like you you were speaking of, individuals feel as though they're better than. When we're talking about BIPOC community, dehumanization is you're less than. And both are wrong either way. Right. You know, because you're both are leaving. Yes. Yes. So I I love that because when you are becoming more human, you're becoming more vulnerable and more inviting towards liberation and freedom instead of making myself either a self-proclaimed expert on the struggle of every BIPOC, which I can never do. You know, I am Courtney, you know, I have gone through my own struggles, but there is someone else who has gone through an equal or it's it's all perspective. 
or you're mm-hmm. Ibley, and now you're working with me, are you better than most white people who don't align themselves with black people? You can't yeah. say that because then you're yeah. going against what you thought you were standing for. And so that's brilliant. I love that. I love, I'm glad you got angry yeah. about that. Yeah. Yeah. And there's also kind of like this woke thing is like, you know, moving up, right? Like I am now more evolved, more elevated when being human, it's like moving down to the earth. Like just be here, put two feet on this earth and, and look around you and figure out what's actually happening around you. And then that's, that's being human. Welcome. (laughs) Welcome. So that's what's, uh, that's what's on my mind today. <laughs> I, I wish you would have said what I thought you wanted to say is what? <laughs> please come back down, shut the fuck up, and listen and be present. That's oh, yeah. That's, a, that's what. That's a nice. Yes, that's a nice way. Yes. <laughs> so, but honestly, I appreciate that. That was awesome. That was awesome. Awesome. Okay, so let's go into this call. So what we're gonna do is right now we're gonna, um, in case you missed the call or there was so much that was said in that call. We're going to invite a little clip of Crystal right now, and we have to, you know, add our disclaimer that the conversations that Courtney and I have are based on our relationship and an invitation to have these conversations. And Courtney has kindly offered his perspectives um, for the education of all of us, but certainly not every person of color would like to educate people about the, uh, you know, the the plights of, of social justice. Yes. So... That is within always our, um, you know, disclaimer. And also Courtney does not speak for all black people. I do not speak for all white people. Um, Although at times it is useful to throw around a generalization so that we can speak of the group and not the individual. So Mm -hmm. we're writing that line while acknowledging there is a huge uh, difference between people. So let's listen to something that Crystal said. For me, purpose is giving others the opportunity to be where I am right now. Nothing is different for me than any other chick out here. You know, like if I was talking to chicks on the street, I would tell them the same thing. I remember being that chick on the street. I remember being that, that gutter chick out here and just thinking life is something else that is not. And realizing It's something about me that is different. I make people uncomfortable, not because I'm trying to, I'm just being me. Awesome. Wow, that's a lot. Being uncomfortable. I find myself never really uncomfortable in rooms. I find myself lonely. You know, I find myself being one of few, but I like that. I like that solitude. I find it sort of like a badge of honor. However, as a responsibility and obligation towards towards freedom um i mean to say that by if you feel as though you're walking you have a legacy that you're working towards it now becomes an obligation to fulfill said legacy and not just be talking shit like we say or or acting as if you are about that life when you're really not and so now if i say i'm about social justice but i'm not really working in any kind of social justice arenas or or fighting any social justice fights or setting up a platform to address those issues then I'm lying to myself and my community. And so I don't mind mm-hmm. being different in that. So I appreciate what Crystal said uh, about that. And the discomfort that individuals feel may be a good thing for them to feel because that may mean that there's some work to be done. And, and I always go back to medicine and science because I love it. 
when you're having a child that is discomforting like hell. Like delivery. <laughs> That's an understatement. Yes, exactly. But the only way to get to the other side where you're walking around with Dakota and Brooklyn chilling is to have gone through that. You you had to uh-huh. go through that. You know, you had to go through the yeah. nine months. You had to go through whether it was a C-section or, or natural. You had to go through that process. So going mm-hmm. through the process is always worth it at the end when you get to look at the fruits of your labor, you know? And so mm-hmm. that's how I think this, this, the, the job that we do here is a process that we have to go through if we want to get to the side where equity is won. And so that's, mm-hmm. I, 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 lo- I love that. I'm curious actually about, you say you kind of experience the discomfort as loneliness in that moment when you're speaking your mind, which is interesting because I, I experience that discomfort of like speaking up as actually being like hyper connected to everyone and like hyper concerned of everyone's reaction. And that's what brings me discomfort of like speaking up or putting my voice out there. It reminds me too that like our original, like one of our original titles we were throwing around was like uncomfortable versus unsafe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know, to encourage people to to get uncomfortable in order to disrupt what's going on now versus being unsafe, like Crystal's son and the talk that she had with her son, which we'll put in here right now so you can hear it. This is real out here. You know, the choices and decisions you make. And I had to tell him, I said, honey, you are not a white boy. You're not. You are not. You are a black boy and you're already a little big. So you're already going to be pinged as aggressive. You're already going to be pinged as, oh, my God, what is he going to do to me? When they talk to you, you sit still. You don't move unless they tell you you can move. And I and it's sad that I have to tell my son that, but that's the it's reality. It's incredibly sad. Listening to Crystal say that and imagining what it's like as a mother to sit down and, and have that talk is, I mean, if like, it's, it makes me like freeze in my body. It's so terrifying to think of that. You know, like I unfortunately tend towards anxiety. So at night, like I lie down and I'm like, oh my gosh, we're, we're you know, we're going to go swimming tomorrow. What if someone drowns? Like I, I freak out about my kids all the time. And so to know that like society at large hold such a threat for her son that she has to have that that talk and knowing that I don't have to have that talk with my kids is it's disorienting and it's it's a tough one because it's like you know I think it's one that comes up when you're speaking like if I'm speaking to white people and we talk about like what privileges are you willing are you ready to give up I think that that's one that often comes up of like I'm not going to give up the safety of my kids. And I don't think that that's the conversation. I think it's about making more people, more people safe, not white people unsafe. That's the exact conversation. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm trying to figure out what are the the conversations I need to have with my kids about race and social justice and racism. Um, But they're certainly not going to be, this is how you have to take care of yourself. And this is, you know, I was talking with a friend of mine who was talking about his talks with his son and like how his son is now like really afraid of cops and now cross the street and like, you know, shy away from the cops, which then also looks kind of suspicious as well, which is like, you're screwed if you do, screwed if you don't. And like, you know, this, I mean, I have to say like, 
fundamentally, I'm grateful I don't have to have that talk with my kids. And that is an extreme, extreme, extreme privilege. And I don't think there should be extremes, that much extreme in society. Wow. Damn, just let, I, I think we should just get at a moment right there because the ground you just broken uh, was phenomenal in that you were honest. I don't think I've ever heard a white person say that they appreciate that they, they don't have to have that conversation with their kids. You know, that's, that's big. I, I, I've always had respect for you, but you stepped it up there. You dunked that. <laughs> you dunked that shit. Like, that's, that's amazing because I know that took a lot for you to say. You know, I, I, I felt yeah. you were going there and I was going to say, in my mind, I just said, I wonder if she's going to admit that she doesn't have to do that. And for you to have done yeah. that, it's so powerful. You know, so I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm giving you a round of applause mentally right now, just letting you know that insight you have is giving you the type of credibility to talk on these topics, mm. you know, because if you said or felt as though you should have that topic with your daughters who are white women, who will grow up to be white women, then I would start to question, okay, we, we may not be as authentic as I think we are. Mm-hmm. And that is the work that we're doing on humanize, you know, mm-hmm. the, the authentic opening of conversations towards privilege, race, suppression, oppression, and, and liberation and equity. And so I, I thank you. I just want to take that mm-hmm. moment to thank you for that. That was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. We got to, we got to start with honesty and show up, you know, as humans, like I was saying at the beginning of the episode, we have to be real as humans as to how this, this plays out. And it's crappy. It's crappy that I have to, you know, be in a position that that's my position. And I have to tell But can I ask you? Maybe you have, yeah, go ahead. No, 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 you're fine. I just want, so now that that admittance has come to the world now, what next? What do you do now for you? Yeah. So I, (laughs) this is, now I'm laughing because I'm just like embarrassed, but I have to be compassionate that my daughter that I'm talking about is five and it was four when this was happening. So I, you know, had the started to have very direct conversations with her about race around Floyd's murder. And because I was just not able to speak, I was so, you know, messed up for days. Um, As I should be at all given moments, like, I don't know why that just struck a chord with so many people, including myself. But I started to talk to her about race. And I started to talk to her about slavery. And I started to talk to her about the amazing history in Africa, because I really want to elevate like the profound history and glorious history from all across Africa. And I've spent time, you know, in, in Senegal and wow. South Africa and Morocco and Kenya, Madagascar. And so it's just showing her pictures and telling stories of my friends there. And then there's like this really funny and it kind of shows. So I try to have you know, some compassion with myself for how clunky these conversations are, because there is, I don't know many models of how to do this, how to raise a, you know, a more conscious white child. I certainly was not raised in that way. And to talk to her about like, there are, you know, there are differences in this country of how people are treated based on their skin color and just kind of clumsily kind of trying to introduce the concept that she's white and that that means something in this country. 
and that she she might be in positions to speak up for someone who might need her support or step in if someone's being treated in a way that doesn't feel fair because, you know, those little kids, they know fairness if they know nothing else. <laughs> and so where this conversation, you know, I revisited the conversation a while later, of course, not even knowing if she's listening. I mean, that's the thing with like four-year-olds, you're like, am I, is she listening, not listening? Yeah. And I don't know how it came up, but she was like something about race. And then she said, and I cringe. I cringe to even say this, but I'm curious to know how you would respond. Yeah. What she said was, she's like, yeah, but she's pointing at her arm. She's like, I'm white, right? That means that I'm safe. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, ah, well, God, yeah, I guess that's true, but that's not the point. Like, you know, but that's like part of her understanding. And I just didn't, <laughs> didn't really know where to go from there um wow um two things she is right i'm reading this book called um fatal invention and Mm -hmm. it basically is talking about how race was an invention that made individuals more powerful or really weak you know Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. the brilliance that she's exhibiting is showing that already she knows that she's safe already Mm -hmm. and that's actually a great thing for you because now you can have these conversations because mentally she's there. She's ready. You know, there's mm-hmm. certain, I've never been able to raise a child, you know, but just the development of, of children um, and the mind. What, what I love is there are a lot of, of children that are a lot smarter than they are pushed by their parents because they think, oh, you're too young to know about this. No, mm-hmm. like the, the child brain is phenomenal, you know? Uh-huh. And so by her talking in such a way and asking those questions, that that shows she already has an idea of her safety, of the fact that because she yeah. is a white woman or she's going to be a white woman, mm-hmm. there are certain things that she won't have to worry about. You know, that's crazy. It's, so, wow. It's funny. I'm, I'm laughing at myself because I'm realizing that, like, in some ways, just that knowing of this increased safety that I have as a white person was part of the reason that I wanted to be a part of this podcast is that like, because I'm from this position of like being safer, that means that I have, I have the capacity to take more risk. I can put myself out there more. So really I'm at the developmental stage of a four-year-old when it comes to that. (laughs) It took me, you know, quite a bit more than that. Yeah. (laughs) I'll be 43 next week. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So uh, it's funny that, you know, speaking of shoulds, it's like I was ashamed to admit that that was her current level of understanding when it's like, oh, maybe that's my current level of understanding, too. (laughs) The thing about a true leader, they are always ready to learn more, no matter where that education is coming from. And that Mm -hmm. is showing the leadership that you have. By not saying, oh, you know, my daughter, look, out, she's four years old. I can't learn nothing from her. Actually, you may be able to learn a lot more. And that is amazing for her to have said mm-hmm. that. It's also amazing that you are giving her the education. Because when she goes, when we get out of this pandemic and she's walking with her white girlfriends or if she is, is dating, whoever she dates and they're white, it's like, yeah, you know, I know who I am. Because there's nothing worse than 
a person, a white person feeling as though they are not a part of what either the solution or the problem. They're just right. there. They're just existing. That is a very dangerous person. Because either you're a part of the problem or you're a part of the solution. There's no middle ground. There should never be a middle ground as a human being in today's world with regard to social justice. And it sounds like this, right? I'm not going to get political. Thank I'm you. not one to get political Thank you. or like on, on Facebook, like I'm not going to get political here, you know? And it's like, you have a body, you are political. Thank and you. I don't even know how dignity is political. I, I don't, in my mind, policy oh, is political. That's an epi- <laughs> that is an episode right there for your ass. Like the politi- I'll write that down if I hadn't the- <laughs> erased all of our episodes. <laughs> the politicization of our bodies, the politicization of us as right. a people, like everything is politics because everything creates policy and legislation and laws. Medicine has been politicized. This pandemic is political. Everything in this, because politics is power. This is why when individ- this is why freedom, as it was back in the day, was a joke because they give you freedom on paper, but took away political freedom. How can you live in a in a world or in a government run system without any kind of political power? That is impossible. This is why Georgia is such a is, is such a big thing. And the balance of power that's going on right now in our country is such a huge thing. Because when you start to talk politics, you start to talk power, you start to talk about people's lives, and there is no separation of those things. And so my arc of, of work has been, you know, working internationally, then working with intercultural communication. And that led me directly to looking at power because you know, every conversation between individuals, there's a power difference that's being negotiated and super psyched about our guest that's going to come on and talk about uh, a concept of deranking conversations. Hold on to your horses to hear that one. Great plug, by yeah, the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's dope. Getting okay. good at this. Hey, hey, hey. Um, but this funny thing, like, I don't think that a society can exist, like, exist very well without power. Like, I don't, I've never seen a society exist without power. Communism is our, you know, closest stab at existing without power differences. And that has not worked out really well because people automatically default to power. Exactly. I was going to so say. there's extreme corruption. No, yes. I'm not a communist. Yes. Oh. Because <laughs> there's so much corruption. And, um, it, and yet, like. When it comes to conversations, and so what I'm thinking specifically of privilege, and I'm thinking of like, I don't know, like, there's so much resistance to acknowledging power. Like, if we deny it, it's going to make things easier. And that constantly happens. And I, I'm thinking about like, you know, this, this phrase that my, my daughter said, and how it acknowledges power. And that that really is the first step to then saying, okay, then what am I going to do with this privilege that I have been granted for really no reason whatsoever, otherwise than economic exploitation (laughs) many, many hundreds of years ago. But I guess you can't really do, like, you just have to get to the place where you acknowledge that power. I think it's, yeah, I just think it's really important. Yeah. You see, the thing about powerful people that are truly powerful, they empower other people to be powerful as well. That is how power should be. 
how it looks today is I got to step on Emily's neck to make sure that I'm more powerful. That's actually weakness. That's actually insecurity. That's actually coming from a place of um, mediocre thinking, you know? And Mm -hmm. so I think that at the end of the day, I love the platform that we are, are, are cultivating because it's even pushing my thought because that you have to understand if we're doing this, whether we want to or not, people are listening. And sooner or later, it's going to get to a place where we're challenged. And if we are not actually, in some rights, experts at opening a conversation, we will be exposed. And I don't know about you, but where I come from, we don't like to be exposed. People get fights for that. You know, if you say you run the streets and somebody tests you, you better run them streets. If you say you play ball and somebody tests you, you better be out there balling. You know, so like it's, it's, no, I don't, I don't know about you, but I am not going to allow, because we could get someone who wants to come on a show for the simple fact they want to just embarrass our ass. You know, and so at the end of the day, I love what this is doing for me and my education and my thought and, and my training. And, and so I, it's just, it's amazing because right now, like I said, I can't stop thinking about how vulnerable you were to have admitted what you did on this show, on this episode. So I, I mm. keep going back to that. That's, that was great. And mm. just the thought of what Crystal was talking about, about just being different. You know, all of our guests from, from the first one we had, um, with Crystal Jones to the end of this season are going to, I'm sure, are going to push our thought and push our, um, this conversation. And, and when we get out of, of isolation post pandemic, I hope to be in a room with individuals talking about oh, yeah. this work you know so yeah it's just so i'm sorry i had to say that. it's exciting mm. <laughs> well it's changing i feel like it being a part of these conversations and the, this focus um you know because we have so much momentum that we're focusing on this every week multiple times a week it, it's definitely changing my wiring and my understanding and that was my hope you know is like move closer and closer and closer until this is not something I need to consciously turn to to think about. It's just part of my wiring and my view. And I've never really thought of myself as like a critical thinker. Like I had to like learn about critical theory. It doesn't like come naturally to me. Like I I want to have the rose colored glasses and be like, everything's fine, you know, but I have to, in order to be more of a human, I realize that, you know, how things are set up, it's not it's that's, it's not it's, it's ridiculous yeah so i need to understand how to see things clearer so i i'm appreciative for being able to be in dialogue with you all the time and creating things with you and working through things with you let's, let's get it yeah. so now that we have <laughs> we've been on here for season one of eight episodes nine episodes however much now we're in season two this is the second episode what are you feeling like like now you 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 you've been in the game for me now. How are you feeling? <laughs> I'm feeling I'm feeling a little stronger about using my voice. I'm feeling a little less afraid. You know, I'll use the example from yesterday. So I posted something on our social media accounts about adultification mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. black that. girls Ooh, and powerful, um powerful. what happened in Rochester with the if you missed it, this in Rochester, New York, this nine-year-old girl, a mom, black mom called the cops because her nine-year-old daughter was like really mentally having some issues. She needed support. 
not an unfamiliar story. You know, the cops come and try to restrain her and all these cops have all this trouble restraining a nine-year-old girl, which in itself seems bizarre that they don't have those techniques. And they, you know, they end up trying to force her into the car and she's holding on with her arms and legs. And they say, I stop, stop acting like a child. And this nine-year-old girl's like, I am a child, you know, calling us all out on what is happening. They end up pepper spraying her. And I mean, traumatizing her for (laughs) probably that's enough for the rest of her life. It's unbelievable. Just feel for her and her family. But yeah, so I posted something in a state of rage about adultification, which was a concept that was brought to my attention by Layla Saad's White Supremacy and Me book. And just noticed, you know, just this urge to like, get that information out there. And then afterwards, I'm like, oh, gosh, is that, first of all, is that triggering to a person of color, a parent of color of a daughter? Second of all, like, I don't want to, you know, be in a position where I feel like I'm the one who knows and you're the one that doesn't know. And they, you know, then there's almost like very few comments or likes or interactions on it. And, you know, I'm like, kind of like, are people offended that I, I post, you know, like I have my own spins of uncomfort, discomfort. And I guess where I am, as opposed to several months ago, is just like, whatever. You know, not around the trigger part, not around the trigger part at all. And I I, I couldn't quite figure out how to phrase like trigger warning on that. Um, but yeah, there's like a bit of me that's able to be like, even if I messed up there, again, not with offending and triggering people of color, then like. It is what it is. Okay. This is the conversation. It is what it is. That's true. Like what I wrote in my view is, is true. Yeah, and it's, yeah. it's stand researched on and yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm a little bit more able to like stand on it in its imperfection, whatever, you know. It's perfectly that imperfect. That's how we, we are. You know, you, you ended us off um, with a dunk today. This is, you get the game ball today, Emily. I ain't in front. <laughs> you, you, you came with that thunder, man. I, I, I'm just honored to be in this chair with you. Um, thank you so much. Um, thank yeah, you, thank listeners. You. And um, we, we're, we're here. We just debriefed. Um, the episode with Crystal Jones. Check her out. She has a podcast as well, Sex Talk with Chris. Give that a listen. It's great. It's talking about sexual liberation. And um, yeah, that's all I got today. Uh, it's been an honor to be here. Thank you guys so much. Humanize. We love you. Thank you. Peace. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Humanize. Please remember to like and subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode. Join us on Instagram or Facebook to continue this conversation at The Humanize Podcast. Let us know if you want to learn more about the professional trainings we offer. And of course, tune in next time as we continue the work. Thank you and much love.